I'm ready. Hey, guess what? You guessed it. We're all humans. That's right. Each and every single one of us living and breathing in this world are human. And it pains me to hear some of the hate that we have and the hate that we share for others just because of their color and their struggle and their beliefs and their lives that look different than ours or yours. Listen, Jesus didn't need everyone to look the same and act the same to come and love people anyway. So we are desperately in need of people who will love again. Listen, it's Christmas. And not only am I opening up this second episode with a wonderful cup of arrowroot coffee again, I'm asking you to give a gift this Christmas and every day that you live and breathe. A gift of a compliment, a gift of a kind word, a gift of a blessing to the car behind you in a drive-thru. How about you give a gift of a bag of arrowroot coffee to stuff someone's stocking with? They have the holiday blend and it's delicious and it's festive. Seriously, kindness is contagious and we need desperately to make kindness and generosity great again. Come on now. Let's make it trending. Let's make it popular again. Show love. Show kindness. I dare you. Be kind. I dare you. Hey, listen. We're all bad apples saved by grace. Paul Tripp says, if you embrace the theology of the heart that is in Scripture, you know that sin is first a heart problem before it is ever a behavior problem. Understand that the purpose of this is not to glorify our bad apples, our issues, our struggles, but it's to shed light on them in order for the root work to begin and to continue. We need it to continue every single day. We have to understand that the work that God has started in us is not yet complete in us. He is continually molding us, progressively sanctifying us, and always working to see the work He started complete, lacking in nothing. So my heart for this podcast is to glorify God and the gift of His grace in the face of our everyday issues and our struggles and our situations and our shortcomings and our weaknesses and our mistakes and our failures and ultimately the idols that live in our hearts. We're all bad apples saved by grace and grace is thankfully continually working on us. Come on now. I'm not trying to sound preachy, but that can preach. When I was growing up in the faith, a young man, a young Christian, and even later, I thought that I was a misfit toy, you know. From 17 and on, I heard all of these amazing stories about how once I was saved, sin was gone. The desire of sin wouldn't be there. You won't struggle. So I thought that I was this misfit toy. I thought that I had received a bad dose of the Holy Ghost. I thought my Holy Spirit filler was broken, you know, if I'm wanting to sound churchy. I thought something was off. And it was. But my desire was to pursue God and to live for God and to serve God and to love God and to work for God. But I had this battle inside of me that was very human. It was this very, you know, this is what my flesh wants to do. 
but this is what my spirit man wants to do. Like, what's wrong with me, God? And I believe that there are standards that we need to live up to according to Scripture. And I also believe that grace is supplied once and for all because God knew and knows we will continually need a progressive eradication of sin. Progressive. Continual. We need a continuing work of grace. And when you find that freedom and when you find the fact that Jesus came and supplied that grace for us, you won't want, you won't desire to sin anymore. You want to live for him. You know what I'm saying? But it blows my mind the things that people will believe takes them out from under that umbrella called grace. <laughs> Some Christians will live with unforgiveness in their hearts for years, but they believe cussing on a Monday in traffic disqualifies them from God's grace. <laughs> like, like, come on, none of us are perfect. What I'm saying is this, there is literally new mercy every single day supplied to us, for us. We need to stop worrying so much about what we've done and more about the fact that God's grace hasn't and will not be diminishing. Listen, the blood is still the blood. If I'm wanting to get churchy again, it's amazing grace. But we need to know this. That grace that was supplied to us is so expansive. It's so extensive. It's so wide-ranging and so broad. Listen to this scripture and really take it in because when I, when I, you know, I've heard this scripture, but when I really started reading it and taking it in, it was just like, oh, okay, God. It's in Romans 5, it's verse 20. It says, now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. That is so powerful. The more sin is present, the more grace abounds. Where sin is, grace is there all the more. So, you know, I think about how many times in my life that I've not given grace to someone over something they've done or just thought about like, you know, not I've not given them that grace. And I'm thinking, you know, why not? Grace was supplied to me. Where sin is, grace is there all the more. So I like to say it like this. You can't sin your way out of grace. Now, I'm going to be careful here. What I mean is, if grace abounds more than sin, then I'm not falling from grace when I fall. I'm not falling from grace. I'm falling into grace. I like to think of grace as an entire floor rather than a ladder that we're climbing up. You know, we think our works is every rung and we climb up. Some people look at every sin like a ladder rung and you're just falling from the top when you fail and when you mess up. But I like to see grace as a floor that catches me every time that I fall. Where sin is, grace abounds. When I fall, grace is there. When I fall, grace is there there. Not if, when. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We're not perfect. And I'm not trying to, again, I'm not trying to glorify the issues we have. I'm not trying to 
talk down the problems we have. But I don't like the idea and the message that Jesus done all that he done in his life and on the cross and then in the resurrection only to give us enough grace to sin a couple times. Well, dang, you're done, Donnie. You cussed at the cashier at Hobby Lobby. You're done. You better not be in church on Sunday. (laughs) You know. Listen, (laughs) by all means, we have to live with godly standards. Like, just be, just be a good person. You know what I mean? Like, be, be a good person. And live with godly standards. Like, the marks of a true Christian in Romans 12, they're amazing standards to live by and to read by. I have failed, trust me, a lot in my life at living by those standards. But we, we desperately need to take ourselves off of the cross, stop pretending like we died for our sin, stop acting like we can give or take away this gift of grace. Ephesians 4 says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So we didn't earn it. We didn't give it. We didn't die for it. Here's what I'm saying. How do I have the power to undo what Jesus has already done? It's a question. It's a a dialogue. Open up the dialogue. If I had the power to undo it, wouldn't I have the power to do it in the first place? But I'm going to move on. These are tough questions we can, we can ask and we can search for in Scripture, but we need to examine this because there's a performance-based faith that says you have to pray this much and talk like this and act like this and give this and do this, like, you know, live like this in order to gain favor from God. But favor was already given. Favor is already given. You have just as much grace as the person who has been saved for 50 years. <laughs> In most of the circles I was in, if I didn't do this and do that this amount of times and in this way, I wasn't really holy. Like, not every circle, but I looked at sanctification as this one-time transaction. I thought, okay, I'm sanctified. I'll sin no more. Then the next day I sinned. Then the next day I struggled. Then I walked out of the church doors and I was tempted and I failed. I never felt comfortable talking about any of this because, bless God, if you sin and if you are tempted, then something's wrong. But let's not, I don't want, I don't want that to sound like I'm blaming anyone or anything else because here's where I'm getting at. What was really wrong was I had some heart problems. I had heart issues. I had stuff deep down inside of me that I didn't know how to find I didn't know how to figure out what it was. I had idols in my heart that I had, uh, you know, that had taken some deep, deep roots. I had some, I had some issues. And in my life, I made many small compromising decisions that didn't look bad at first, but eventually they took root. You know, I had heart problems that led me to believe that I couldn't talk about any of this with anyone. Now, some of it was culture, you know, some of it was, yes. Uh, Some of it was that fear of failure, that fear of sinning, and that fear of judgment, but most of it was, I didn't want to confess my sin. Why would I? I held on to it, both out of fear of extreme judgment and selfish pride. I mean, but understand the fear of judgment is still rooted in pride also, because you don't want to be caught. 
But I want to be clear. I don't want to act like me not confessing and talking to someone is on someone else. It's on me. There were people in my life I absolutely could have went to, and sometimes I did. But my selfish pride and my self-righteousness wouldn't really let me be as open as I needed to be. I was too busy serving my kingdom of one. And before it was ever a behavior problem, it was a heart problem. And I want to be clear that, you know, this just isn't specifically about one sin. You know, I'm a man. I know other men. We've talked. Temptation can be an issue for us. And, you know, I want my prayer is let us strive to be men of integrity always. And I haven't been. But I'm fighting to be more open and honest to my friends and the people close to me so that I can acknowledge my weakness and grow from this. I want to grow out of this season of my life. We all have issues that we can work on and work out. We need to start talking about it, though. Whether it's, you know, what you consider a small sin or a big sin, sin is sin, no bigger and no smaller. And if there is any sin in us, we need people in our lives to have real and raw conversations with about this. We need to not be afraid and not be so prideful to act like the root issues won't eventually yield the bad apples. You know, we, we tend to compartmentalize. And, I'm, you know, I'm going to speak from, I say we, but I'm, I'm really speaking from my personal, you know, um, I'm hoping this helps. So I'm hoping someone connects to this because I'm, I'm saying we, but I'm, I'm hoping you connect with it because I'm kind of speaking from my own personal life. We tend to compartmentalize our sin into categories, right? Like a lot of times we do this, uh, you know, we, we, we do this to minimize it or compare it to someone else's big, bigger sin. That we think, you know, I mean, let's be real. Think about the things you do and think. It opened my mind and it opened my eyes when I went through counseling that sin is sin. Hard idols are hard idols. And it was amazing the things I found out about myself. I say amazing because I was astonished uh, and, and, you know, and not in a good way. But it was crazy the things I found out about myself that was so troublesome that I would minimize for years thinking that it was just something I did. I would explain it away. I would talk it down or I would think it in my mind, well, so-and-so are doing this, so I'm good. God, we're good, right? You know, we're good. Ron down the road is sleeping with his neighbor's wife. I'm good, right? <laughs> like, there's not really a Ron, but I'm just using, using thought patterns we make, we make up. Like, well, they're doing worse than me. I'm just, you know, I'm just looking, God. It's just the internet. God, I would never do what he's doing. I'm, I'm good, right? It's just flirting, God. It's not really cheating. I'm good, right? <laughs> Little sins paved a road, and that road was devastating. In the end, I found a tree that was dying. And because of small roots that grew and grew and grew, one day my tree and its bad fruit were made public. Like, God, how did I get here? See, I wanted to begin with the depth of grace so you can understand that while I found myself with a dying tree, life and hope was still very much a part of the story. We may find ourselves in a depth of sin, but the depth of grace is always deeper. Where sin is, grace 
is there all the more. So we don't have to hide our sin. Because as much sin as you have, you have just as much grace. You have more grace. Not just as much. You have more grace. So we don't have to hide our sin and act like, oh, all of our issues and our problems and our weaknesses need to be hidden and need to be swept under a rug and, and we don't ever need to talk about it. No, we can talk about it because where sin is, grace is there all the more. Sin is lingering, but so is grace. And we have to be careful I made small compromising decisions until I found myself staring at death spiritually. Most of the time, you know, I don't speak as someone who can personally attest to this, but, but most of the time an addict doesn't wake up and decide to be addicted to crack. He doesn't just wake up one day and say, ah, I'm, I'm going to get addicted to crack today. An alcoholic doesn't have one beer and all of a sudden become a raging alcoholic the next day. I mean, I guess some situations may be different, I guess. I don't know, but I think you know what I'm meaning. If you look back on your life, big situations usually are made up of a lot of smaller decisions. You don't wake up one day and all of a sudden have, a, have to file for bankruptcy. There were probably smaller decisions and circumstances that led you to that point. And the same goes with hard work and dedication. There are small decisions, sacrifices, and efforts put in to become successful. Big Sean, a rapper, said it like this. It took me 10 years to become an overnight success. <laughs> Some people will always see the fruit, but they'll never see the root. And sin is lingering. And it reminds me of a story, and we can use it to kind of compare and it's this is actually a crazy story I've seen it so much in movies but in imperial China uh, there was a form of torture and forgive me if I'm uh, mispronouncing this name you know my West Virginia dialect may get this wrong but it was known as Ling Chi also known as the lingering death or the slow process or the slow slicing and they're not talking about pizza. <laughs> but it's more famously known as the death by a thousand cuts. Literally what it says is a person would be convicted of a crime and the punishment was death by many small slices to their skin that would eventually lead to death. And there were three different levels to this that they wanted to, uh, you know, inflict on someone. First was humiliation because it was done publicly. Of course, the second would be torture. And also, they wanted to punish you after death. See, they believed that to be cut to pieces and have your body so scarred and marked up, you could never be whole spiritually ever again, even after death. See, what's interesting to me is, you know, it was called the lingering death. And these small cuts to the skin at first weren't enough to result in the death. But it was the collection and the continuation of the cutting that would eventually bring death. Eventually, the many small cuts caused the death. Not one big slice, many small slices. If you hear a train in the background, that's progress, baby. That's progress. We're, we're moving things here in Illinois. <laughs> but sin is a lingering death just like this. 
What's the scripture say? It's the little foxes that spoil the vineyard. Yeah, the, it says catch the foxes for the little foxes spoil the vineyard. A lot of people look for the big sin. Remember, sin is sin. But a lot of times it's the small issues that go unchecked that lead to the big problems. It's the root issues that are ignored that yield the eventual bad fruit. It's the small decisions and the compromises that lead to the consequences that we face sometimes. Sin can be so lingering. But let us be proactive. When we face decisions and when we face these temptations, these forks in the road, let us be proactive. Let us not continually allow sin to cut, eventually leading to death by our own desires. But let us be proactive in seeing it. See, Jesus, he was tempted in the wilderness, but what did he do? He used the word He was proactive and was ready to fight with the word when the devil presented all of these temptations. Listen, don't go to the battle without your sword. The Bible calls the, uh, the the scripture calls the Bible the, the sword of the spirit, right? Ready up, be prepared, be equipped, fight with the word, use the word proactively. Will we fail? (laughs) Absolutely. But grace abounds all the more. Will we stumble? Probably every day. But Scripture says mercy is new every morning. I mean, I get to wake up every morning and know that what I done yesterday is yesterday. And God's got me today. God meets me with new mercy every time I wake up. Here's something hopeful. We suck. <laughs> we are terrible as people. I mean, let, I mean, let's just be real. But we have to understand we are a miracle in progress. We also need to know that what God started, he will finish. And if it's not good yet, he's not finished yet. Sanctification is a beautiful and a painful work of grace. I say painful because we have to be stretched and we have to be molded and we have to be pressed and it doesn't always feel good. But the work of perfection is coming. He will not stop working on us and in us until the day that we are made whole. So take that pressure off of ourselves and other people. Don't make other people your saviors. They're going to fail you. And don't be so hard on them when they do fail you. Give them grace, the same grace that has been measured to you. Give them that grace. Contrary to some, uh, you know, contrary to some beliefs and how they and how people treat others, Christians are not perfect. We are not perfect. Too much emphasis and attention is given to Christians who don't need attention. Okay. Some of us don't need microphones. Maybe I'm one of them. I don't know, but I I press record and whoever's listening is listening. Some of us don't need pulpits. Some of us just need the altar and to focus on Jesus. (laughs) Romans 3, it's eye-opening. It says, none are righteous. No, not one. (laughs) No one understands. No one seeks for God. 
all have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. I mean, listen to this and tell me it isn't familiar. It says their throat is an open grave and they use their tongues to deceive. The venom of, the venom of asps is under their lips and their mouth is full of curses and bitterness or their Twitter feed is full of curses and bitterness. Or you use your keyboard to deceive. You know, you got these keyboard warriors out there. It says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. <sighs> we're in trouble, right? I mean, if you're reading this, we're in trouble. It goes on to say, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. No human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified. You can do all you want. You can puff out your chest. You can walk around acting like your holiness and your righteousness works and all your deeds will justify you. But none are righteous. No, not one. So, you know, I said this is hopeful. How is that hopeful, right? But it says, but the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. You want to talk about Advent? You want to talk about Christmas? There's your hope. Just that sentence alone. But the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. In other words, Jesus was born. Listen to this. Romans, Romans 3 concludes with this. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God sent him forward to be a propitiation. I, could, I maybe got that word wrong. But it says a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. And this is so beautiful. We're talking about hope this season. And this is, this is so full of hope. It continue, and it goes on. It continues to say that this is, uh, this is to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It is to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. We are justified by faith, not by works of the law. We are justified by law of faith, the law of faith. But do we overthrow the law by this law of faith? By no means. We uphold it. That is so beautiful and hopeful to know that we are so terrible. We make bad decisions that lead to death. We are deceitful. Our hearts lead us astray and we wander away from the shepherd and the guardian of our hearts. But he comes after us with redeeming grace as our justifier, as our redeemer, as our rescuer, as our savior. He runs to us. He runs after us in love. Even so, when we make a thousand small cutting decisions that lead to death, he runs after us and brings us back to life. It's the Christmas season. And we have to accept the bad news of Jesus coming to really see the good news. Here's what I mean by that. Paul Tripp says, 
And you're going to hear me quote from him a lot. He says it like this. Good news is only ever good news to people who knew they needed good news. We have to accept that God came in the person of Jesus to live the way that we were created to live but never could. And Jesus came to die the death that each one of us deserved to die. There was simply no other way to redeem and rescue us from our mess other than Jesus. Humanity was so incredibly messed up that there was no other way but for God to give himself. God knew that something bad resided in all of us that twists every thought and diverts every desire that shapes the direction of every choice and controls every word and action. It's sin. We're all a mess. But he knew that we could never conquer and defeat sin on our own. So Jesus our rescuer, our redeemer, our Messiah came in the form of a baby. Confessing our brokenness is the only way we will ever fully understand and celebrate the birth of Jesus. We're all bad apples rescued by a wonderful and redeeming Savior. That's something to be hopeful for this Christmas. This is the Bad Apples Podcast. And remember, God is good and you are loved. Hey, listen, everybody. Uh, first of all, thanks so much for listening to uh, the first episode of the Bad Apples Podcast. Hopefully, you listen to this episode of the Bad Apples Podcast and understand that I am terribly sorry about the very loud train that came through this episode but hey you know what that was just the polar express coming and letting everybody know that it's the christmas season and what we're going to do here is we're going to be festive and we're going to be jolly and we're going to be full of wonderment and christmas glee and you are going to go to arrowrootcoffee.com and buy the holiday blend of their coffee they're awesome over there at arrowrootcoffee.com that's arrowroot coffee.com listen we got guests coming up on this podcast that i'm very excited about good friends of mine from here in springfield illinois um so i'm pumped about it um you know i you know i'm hoping that you're getting something from this podcast if if not you know what i'm enjoying making it i'm enjoying uh talking about arrowroot and talking about jesus and you know we're just gonna we're going to vibe out to it. So um, be blessed and thank you for listening. And uh, watch a Christmas movie this season or several. <laughs>